1: Welcome. Welcome to Fearless with Jason Whitlock. I'm Jason Whitlock, your host. This is the weekend edition of Fearless with Jason Whitlock, where we review the conversations you can only hear on this show. You'd never hear it on ESPN. You'd never hear it on Fox Sports. That's why you need to be listening to us and not them. On Monday, we started with a bang. Deion Sanders, his speech to the Colorado players. I didn't like it. I explained why that Dion would not leave Jackson State for Colorado. I was wrong about that. I didn't think it was a good enough job. It kind of shocked me and surprised me. It speaks to, I think, Dion's uh, desperation to get away from Jackson State. That perhaps Dion just wasn't happy there and needed to be in the comfort of more palacious, Uh, Dion didn't want to struggle anymore and so he's run off to Colorado where he can get better facilities a bigger paycheck and access to better athletes uh, than he was getting at Jackson State and so my first initial thought and I'm going to expound on this probably a little bit even more tomorrow is that uh, my number one takeaway my number one takeaway, and I don't know how deep I'll go into this with Jason Brown, uh, but it is my number one takeaway. As black people, we would rather beg than build our own. That's what this whole Deion Sanders situation truly illustrates. Rather than build our own great program, dynasty, legacy, rather build than build our own platform, we'd rather go beg white people uh, to give us access to their platform. That's what this is. Deion Sanders had an awesome opportunity, and not just Deion Sanders, a lot of the black celebrities that you hear uh, running their mouths about Black Lives Matter and diversity, equity, and inclusion, and uh, black coaches just don't get a chance. All all these people that are so pro-black. You won't hear one black celebrity today, tomorrow, next week, anytime last week, say, oh man, I'm mad Dion left Jackson State because I was going to donate $50 million to Jackson State's football program and athletic program in order to keep that thing rolling. You won't hear P. Diddy say that. You won't hear LeBron James say that. You won't hear uh, Dr. Dre, who gave 70 million to USC, you won't hear him say that. You won't hear Oprah Winfrey. You won't hear any of the people, any of the alleged pro-blacks talking today. Or any man, you know why I'm mad Dion left? It's because I was just about to dump a bunch of money into Jackson State and really try to take swack football to the next level. You won't hear. It. You know why? Because we think that the white man's ice is colder. Period. End of story. And we don't believe in building anything of our own. Period. End of story. You won't hear any of the talking heads, any of the media personalities say, hey, how come uh, black celebrities and people of wealth didn't rally behind Deion Sanders and Jackson State and other HBCUs and see that Deion created a great opportunity to build the HBCU product into something great and profitable and exciting and sustainable for HBCUs, how come black celebrities didn't rally around them? What you will hear is some will complain, oh, Dion ran off for Colorado, or you'll hear him saying, of course Dion left. That's what he's supposed to do, he's supposed to elevate. And it's because anything that's all black, we don't think is any good. So we don't build it, we don't invest in it, and we certainly don't support it over the long haul. That's my number one take. My second take, which I will bring in uh, Jay Bree, uh, Jason Brown, welcome uh, back to the show, is I don't think uh, Deion Sanders is going to be successful at Colorado. I hated, hated his speech uh, to his players at Colorado yesterday. JB, I know, at least based off of what I saw on your Twitter, you liked it. I want to play an excerpt uh, starting off the first clip that I think is around 50, 60 seconds of Dion talking to his team at Colorado. Let's play that clip and then me and JB will respond.
0: We got a few positions already taken care of because I'm bringing my luggage with me. And it's Louis, i <laughs> okay. It ain't gonna be no more the mess that these wonderful fans, the student body, and some of your parents have put up with for probably two decades now. I'm coming. And when I get here, it's going to be changed. So I want y'all to get ready to go ahead and jump in that portal and do whatever you're going to get, because the more you jump in, the more room you make because we bring kids that are smart. Say that, smart.
1: Smart. Tough. Tough. He's telling Ah. kids to jump in the portal. The more of you jump in the portal, that's good. And now I want you to repeat after me, smart, tough, blah, blah, blah. We'll play another, I don't know if we'll play the clip, but he's talking, nobody wearing hats in the meetings, but he's wearing a hat. I'm sorry, I'm coming. This guy thinks he's Jesus Christ. I- I'm just sorry, man. Coaches need to talk about we, not I. I just don't see this working over the long haul. I think it's great what he did at Jackson State. He recruited more talent than everyone else at Jackson State, and that's why he won. In the Pac-12, he will not recruit more talent than everyone else. He's actually going to have to coach, motivate, and lead, And promising your son and other players jobs before a practice has even been played doesn't work for me jb
2: first of all i think there's a misconception out there on when this meeting was that meeting you just showed was several days before they even played the jackson state southern game so that people aren't letting you know that uh if you listen to what he said earlier he said, when I get back here, after I finish what I started at Jackson State, I already knew this because, Jason, I have two players that start there at Colorado that played for me at Indy on Last Chance U. So I have two players there, uh, Chance Maine Jamar Chase. They both play there. Um, and so that meeting right there was held several days before he even left Jackson State. So that was all on the wrap. He was already there. Everyone knew he was taking the job. People were asked not to say anything to anybody. So when he said the hat thing, uh, he he did say that when I get back here, we are going to have no hats. Now, hopefully he does not wear one. Good point for, by you. Um, so that was before he even was the head coach there. Um, a lot of people think that happened yesterday. So hold, that- hold on, JB. Hold
1: on, JB. Are you sure about this? The athletic director introduced Dion at that yep. meeting. And yeah. you're saying he did that before it was officially yeah. announced.
2: Yes, they kept it on the wrap because they, they, the AD mentioned that Sunday we were going to make have a live press conference, which they did have yesterday. And if you look, what was he wearing? <laughs> uh, there's, there's, that was three days before the Jackson State game. He was already accepted the job. Remember, I got a best friend on the staff. I got two kids on the team. Uh, that was before the, he he even said it in the meet, in that in that speech right there. He said I have to finish what I started when I get back from Jackson. I State. thought he's talking about the Celebration Bowl. They they got a bowl game they're playing in. No, he's talking about Southern. So they played Southern that day. So that this is what I've been told. So I, I, I don't know if he's gonna come back from that thing. I, th- I heard he was not coaching anymore. I heard that the J- the TC cat or whatever was taking over the team um, for their for their last game. So uh, I don't know, I, I, I kinda find it hard pressed for me to be wrong on this one unless they told me something false. But from what I understand, that was before their Southern game and it was already a deal because the AD was announcing it on Sunday. The part that I liked was him addressing it as far as saying you can jump in the portal. The reason I say that, Jason, is being around these guys so long and doing this so long and rebuilding programs. He has nothing to lose. That place is a losing program. And to be honest, uh, I had Matt McChesney on my on my show this morning and we went into this deep, 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 uh, you know, I, I, I hear what he was saying as another white dude. He was basically saying, you know, we're the only university in America to hire three black coaches. This is the fourth. Um, and all that is good. But the previous three, John Embry, Carl Durrell and uh, Mel Tucker, were uh, were atrocious. They were awful. And um, and so that to me is not as impressive as uh what Dion did for the swack in HBCU and for him in my opinion for him to be slaughtered on black Twitter and getting uh basically being told he's the devil and many by many black folks on my show is unbelievable. I was told on my show today he should be shameful ashamed of himself. He let the blacks down. And I'm sitting there thinking, did Stephen A and Ryan Clark turn down the Philadelphia Globe Inquirer or whatever to, to turn down ESPN to stay there? Or did they leave for a better opportunity at ESPN and these bigger platforms? I'm just kind of confused on what brothers want for other brothers. Are we wanting to succeed and elevate or are we trying to hold these cats down? And I say we. I cause think I'm, your
1: ears are tuned different. Your ears are tuned different, J.B., and they they should be I'm not criticizing you that for that but 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 what people are disappointed is like hey if Dion leaves for a great job no problem he left for one of the worst jobs where just like you said it's been death valley for every coach uh, that's taken it since Bill McCartney and it's certainly been death valley for every black coach that they've brought in there and so he Again, Dion made a point, and I may not get into this until tomorrow, but in his speech, he said something about how lucky these kids were to be there with these great facilities. And then he said something about, and no crime. And it's just I this little it. small thing where he said no crime. And what he's saying is, unlike what I was dealing with in Mississippi, and, and what he's, he's taking a dump. On Jackson State, and this is—I'm just—my ears are tuned different. He doesn't want to do the hard work of turning Jackson State into a premier football institution, and I think he had a chance to do that if, if the black celebrities that love to talk how pro-black they are, if they dump their money into Jackson State, and so what Dion is leaving for is what black people do all the time. That, you know what, I wanna go work at that white institution where their alumni and white people actually support that institution. Black people, we don't support our own institutions. And he said, they're crime ridden and I want out of here as fast as I can. That's what's irritating people. Tuesday, came back still talking Dion, but this time more sympathetically. I blame black people for not supporting Dion and Jackson State and helping him build something. Dion's a mercenary. He's not a builder. Black people were too interested in begging. I explain on Tuesday.
0: Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE.
1: Uh, we'd rather beg than bill. That's the lesson gleaned from Deion Sanders' relocation from Jackson, Mississippi to Boulder, Colorado. From Jackson State University to the University of Colorado tough lesson one many of us black people will reject deflect and continue to neglect to our continued demise. Life rewards builders and exploits beggars. Deion Sanders is not a beggar but he's not a builder either. He's a mercenary for hire serially auctioning himself to the highest bidder and committed builder. It's a lucrative line of work if fate blesses you with an unusually rare set of skills. Sanders won the genetics lottery in a country so rich that it irresponsibly lavages performers with bounties best given to innovators, educators, and humanitarians. As an athlete, across two sports, Sanders functioned much like a big booty Instagram model selling himself to whichever billionaire builder slid into his DMs. George Steinbrenner and the Yankees, Ted Turner and the Braves, Marge Schott in the Reds, Peter McGowan in the San Francisco Giants, Rankin Smith and the Falcons, Edward DiBartolo in the 49ers, Jerry Jones in the Cowboys, Daniel Snyder in the Redskins, and Steve Bishotti in the Ravens. All paid the cost to be Prime's temporary boss. Dion has always been a rolling stone a tool in someone else's plan to build something sustainable. Popular culture celebrated his wanderlust, materialism, and his sincere desire to proselytize those values to the next generation. The rap music industry welcomed Primetime to its bosom with an enthusiasm usually reserved for drug dealers and gangbangers. Corporations pleaded with Prime to pitch their products. The greatest sellsword in the history of entertainment became an American idol, an evangelist for the pleasures money provides. He legitimized his service to mammon with down-home spirituality, preaching a prosperity gospel to young athletes that made Creflo Dollar and Joel Olstein swell with pride. But let me stop. I have little interest in denigrating and demonizing Deion Sanders. He's a well-intentioned, pampered, elite jock. He reflects a culture designed and maintained by builders and globalists. Dion doesn't drive the culture, and there's nothing inherently wrong with mercenary work. The right builder can hire the right mercenaries to erect and protect institutions that properly edify the masses. Again, Dion is a sellsword. He'll work for anybody, anytime, anywhere. He's proven that. He left Jackson State for Colorado because we, black people, lack the resolve to build our own. We'd rather beg for diversity, inclusion, and equity at a white institution than determine our own success at a black institution. We'd rather make movies about a black Wall Street in the 1920s than build one in 2020 for the right price, Deion Sanders would still be at Jackson State University. Had a handful of allegedly pro-black athletes, rappers, and entertainers come together to financially support what Dion was building at Jackson State, Dion would still be the head coach at the historically black university. But <clears throat> that's not what we do. LeBron James would rather buy a tiny stake in a foreign soccer team than invest 10 million in an HBCU. Jay-Z would rather partner with Jeff Bezos in a bid to overthrow Dan Snyder as the owner of the Washington Commanders than invest 10 million in a black college. Stephen A. Smith and Shannon Sharp would rather use their platforms to justify the suspension of Kyrie Irving and and criticize Jerry Jones for a 60-year-old pitcher than use those platforms to rally financial support for Jackson State. Oprah Winfrey would rather build schools in Africa than finance clean water in Jackson, Mississippi. We'd rather beg than build. I'm not talking about Deion Sanders. He sold his sword to Jackson State with the right intentions. The problem is the builders never showed up. In a two-year, three-season stint, Sanders led the Jackson State Tigers to back-to-back swack titles. This past season, the Tigers finished 12-0 despite a city-wide water crisis that limited the team's access to safe drinking water. Deion and his players were occasionally forced to bathe in, in a hotel swimming pool. Deion Sanders presented black college football an incredible opportunity to build something elite and sustainable. He attracted cameras, attention, massive crowds, and talent to the swag. He upgraded a few facilities at Jackson State. What he couldn't do was inspire the alleged pro-blacks to seize the moment and invest in an infrastructure for long-term success. Beggars don't build, they beg. They complain about what the white man won't do. They support hashtag campaigns about black girl magic and black lives mattering. They serve their own self interest. It's a byproduct of matriarchal, short sighted leadership. I'm not blaming women, I'm blaming men for surrendering leadership to women and adopting a feminized mindset. Years ago, Booker T. Washington showed us the importance of building schools and institutions. During that same time frame, Madam C.J. Walker became rich selling cosmetics and hair care products to black female consumers. Women consume, men build. We can blame Dion for giving up, moving out of the hood for a cushy job in college football suburbs, but what would you do? Remember, Dion is a mercenary. He's not a beggar or a builder. He sacrificed his coaching salary, giving most of the money back to Jackson State to pay his assistants. The day of his coaching debut at Jackson State in February of 2021, a burglar robbed his office. There are rumors that Sanders and his sons were the victims of several robberies. In his meeting with Colorado players, Sanders oddly praised the lack of crime in Boulder. What would make him do that? (laughs) Crime in Jackson is the obvious answer. Sanders needed help in Jackson, the capital city of America's poorest state. Jackson is 78% black. 20% of its citizens live below the poverty line. The city's crime rate rivals America's major cities. Boulder is 88% white. Less than 1% of its population is black. It's a wealthy city with little crime. It's a much safer environment for Sanders' kids including his quarterback son. Roughly 600 of the school's nearly 40,000 students are black. Building requires a level of sacrifice, commitment and vision we can't seem to muster. Begging requires nothing beyond the tolerance of a guilt-ridden benefactor. Years ago, My good friend and mentor Jim Brown told me that the biggest obstacle for black progress was a habit of buying what we want and begging for what we need. Rappers and athletes would rather buy gold chains and diamond earrings to floss in front of the poor than elevate communities and institutions that serve the poor. From September of 2020 to December of 2022, Deion Sanders offered his sword for a higher calling than money. To no one's real surprise, we failed to build upon it. Victims don't see themselves as builders. We fantasize about white saviors, reparations, and gold chains. We dream about moving up and moving out. Beggars aspire to be mercenaries, never builders. All right, we move to Wednesday, hump day. And a bunch of NFL players from Straightway Truth Ministries reached out to me. They wanted to give a different perspective on the Israelite movement than Bishop Nathaniel. They thought Bishop Nathaniel, too caught up in racial idolatry. Robert Mathis, Kabir Bajabia, Amila, Daniel Muir, TJ Clemmings, and Pastor Charles Dow joined me in studio for a very provocative conversation. Pastor Dow, I want to circle back to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, why uh, have you guys moving out, moved out to, I don't know, the hinterlands or mm-hmm. isolated yourself? Why have you done that? Actually, obeying what the book says, starting from the law
0: over in Leviticus 20, um, over in Jeremiah 29, started verse four, read it on down actually what Jesus told us to do, and what the apostles communicated to us by what Jesus said. It's all right there in the book. Um, and of course, 2 Corinthians 6, you can start at verse 14, read on down through verse 17. It tells us, along with Revelations 18, 4, not only to come out from among them and be you separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I would receive you, and I will be an Elohim to you, and you will be my people. At the end of it, over in Revelation 18, 14, it says, Come out of her, my people, that you be not a partaker of her plagues. So the reason why we come aside, along with um, understanding the way that the first century Israelites were living, when they were under Roman occupation, uh, the Israelites were together over in Acts chapter 2. Uh, you can read it in, in Matthew 10. Uh, you can read it in Acts chapter 4. You can see it clearly that, and even from the beginning, when Israel was in Mizraim or Egypt, when they were in captivity, they were together. When they come out of captivity, they were together. When they went in back into captivity, no matter what those captivities they were, they were together, and then they end up being scattered. But the Most High said that he would be like little sanctuaries. The reason why we have done this is because we are under the obedience of Of the Master Jesus and doing exactly what he instructed us to do. And it's bold very well for us, too. So we're out there. um, We have our own school. um, We have our our own assembly we have our own fellowship hall um, we're out there because it's easier for us to be able to live separate from the world while being in the world but not part of the world and it actually um, uh, allows our people to have more liberty and more freedom when we can when they can walk on that land and not to be worried about being harassed tempted, driven, or tormented by uh, people out here or being uh, constantly around the temptations of the world. So we're not hiding like people think we are. Um, we're out there and along with um, uh, 14 other communities because we're following the mandate of what Jesus said.
1: Do, this is somewhat of a silly question, but I just want to ask that. Mm-hmm. Do y'all got cable TV? Are y'all completely, You listen? do they listen to radio, Netflix? Amazon Prime or y'all completely just disconnected from the world?
0: Well, we have fiber optic internet, we have um, cell phones, Um, all the Saints have monitors in their home to where they can look at Netflix, um, TV, whatever you want to call it, football games, stream live, uh, our services are actually stream live uh, every single week. As a matter of fact, constantly. Uh,
1: So we do have modern technology. So I want to take you, and I told you before the show, I was going to ask you this. Does this jive with Matthew 5, verse 13? You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salt again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp, put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and give it light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven." That's straight from Jesus' mouth. Mm-hmm. Can you do that from out in the middle of nowhere? Can you be that light on the hill? Can you, are, are we not commanded mm-hmm. to go out and touch other souls? and to convert others. Or can you do that from in the middle of nowhere? I actually think we're doing a very
0: good job of it. Um, I have 208,000 subscribers on YouTube. Um, I have all these brothers that have actually come to the ministry itself. yourself. We actually every pretty much the majority of the feast days, we run between oh, seven and nine hundred or a thousand people. Um, our light is shining, really bright. All over the world. Uh, it's not just a, a ministry here in the United States of America. This is a worldwide ministry. We have people in Finland, in Kenya, in Nigeria, in England, and uh, France, and Germany, Japan, Australia. Uh, I can go on and on and on and on all across the United States of America, including Alaska, Puerto Rico, Jamaica. This straightway is just it's just not right here, you know, uh, hiding just because we live set apart. It's not that we can't be reached and we can't be found. Um, I, I've never ever hit. Uh, in the late 90s, I was on um, international shortwave radio. I was on AM and FM stations all across this land, at least 15 of them. Um, I've been on YouTube for the last probably uh, 15 years, something like that, 8, 10, 15, something like that. I started in 2008, whatever that time, about 15 years. Um, so we're. Are extremely known. We're known everywhere I go. If if I'm in an airport, if I'm even out of the country, somebody
1: recognizes and knows Pastor Dow. You don't believe you were planning a church in your movement in Nashville, Tennessee? Why not? Why why can't you do that? Well, uh, again,
0: we are extremely guarded with our children. Coming up. We don't want our children, because in this world right here, there are a lot of things that they're exposed to that we don't agree with. We don't agree with the alternative lifestyles.
1: We don't want them to grow up confused. Sports they, Illustrated accused you of being anti-queer. I actually considered that a compliment and high praise, but I don't, how did you take it? I am.
0: I am. I'm anti. I'm anti. As a matter of fact, I can't stand it. You know what I mean? I can't stand it because it's sin and what the people don't want to do today is define their sin. I'm anti-gay, I'm anti-homosexual, I'm anti-lesbian, I'm anti-a woman being a Jezebel, ruling over the man and trying to take dominion over the home and not being in a proper place, which is under the headship and the patriarchal authority of her husband. I'm anti-anything that that Bible says. See, people want to throw jabs and put comments out there to sway the opinions of the court of public opinion, their mindset. But they're basically doing it based off of what they have believed in their head. They're not living. The book teaches us that man should not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceed forth out of the mouth of Yah. So when they're attacking us, they're really truly not attacking us. They're attacking us because they hate him. And he reminds us that they hated him before they hated us. Again, any indictment that people want to put on us or place on us is not because we've done anything to them is what they are continually doing to us, which it doesn't bother. So we live set apart. Our children know right from wrong. Our children have a moral system, a value system, and we teach that to them because if, if we teach them the commandments of Yah, the standards, the biblical standards of the way that the Bible says do things, they won't be confused. And so we're actually preserving our generation by keeping them away from the heathens, keeping them away from the pagans, keeping them away from things like uh, right now we're in the month of, of this world's Christmas which Jeremiah 10 condemns it um, they, they have all these different pagan holidays that is esteemed and loved by the world but we choose to keep y'all set apart commandments and keeping
1: this feast y'all day. don't celebrate pride month pride, <laughs> not, not, <you> know,
0: <laughs> pride month will, will, will
1: it'll never be celebrated it never was, ever. it's it's amazing literally uh, the Everybody knows pride is a sin Mm -hmm. and somehow we've turned it into this great celebration. I see friends of mine that that uh, put pride across their chest or and and, and not even in the rainbow sense, just Mm -hmm. and I'm just like. What, what are we missing here? In ter- let, let me, I'm going off of my own rant. I'm interested in your Can thoughts. Can I say something to yeah. that? Please go. Ahead. The, the book says pride go before
0: destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. When you, you you see the rainbow that these people are wearing, they are actually making a mockery of the Most High Yah. y'all because remember, y'all put the bow in the sky to remind us that he would never destroy the earth again by water. And he used the symbolism of a bow. So what does Satan do? He He, he takes these people that are contrary to what the book says, said a sodomite should not even... <clears throat> It, it should never be in Israel. It should never at, at all. A lesbian, all of these things, it's an abomination. They're going to burn. They're going to die. That's their choice. That's their decision. That's what they have in his life. But it is a 100% complete mockery of the Most High God to take something that he used as a symbol for us to be reminded that when we see that bow in the sky, he will never, ever destroy the earth again by water. But it will be destroyed by fire. Who are the real Israelites? The the real Israelites, according to the book, um, if you go back, it started with Isaac, Jacob, started with Jacob. Excuse me. Jacob had his name changed to Israel. Um, And then out of him come the twelve tribes of Israel. Um, And these are the Israelites that went into Egypt. And and the most I said, out of Egypt he has called his son. The Israelites. that have been into captivity, whether people comprehend it like it or not, the actual melanated people of this earth, uh, especially those of us who are on this side of the pond, um, who have been bought over here in the slave ships and then been scattered throughout the Caribbean. We are the original Israelites that the Bible speaks about.
1: So you agree with Bishop Nathaniel on that? I do. And it's because, you know, he connected it to scriptures that said that we would be brought over in ships and all that. Mm-hmm. And th- that's your justification as well or and again. Well, also now the, um, the an Israelite today
0: and Israelite today is, is one that is not born of the flesh, but of the spirit, mm-hmm. a one that is born again. Uh, and born again is by receiving the Holy Spirit's well. So I don't stop there I start there to go up to this point because we as Yehudim's are charged to not only be light. Say but that again. Yehudians. what are that? That means those of us of the tribe of Judah. Judah. And Judah is just not one tribe. Judah consists of Judah, Benjamin, and Levite. Uh, they were the ones who actually who stayed in obedience with the Yah. but the 10 tribes that defected, um, they scattered up through the northern countries. And so an Israelite today, it, it would be very hard to say that Israelites today are only black people or melanated people. You can't do that. The only way you're going to be able to find out when someone is a true Israelite is is if he gives them his Holy Spirit Mm. and then they start keeping his commandments. That's when you really, truly know what an Israelite is Mm. today.
1: Thursday, things got really hot. Joe Biden executed the worst trade in sports history. The merchant of death he sent to Russia. for WNBA player Brittany Griner. I'm calling it the Bay of Big. The big stands for Brittany Incarcerated Griner. Yeah, this is Joe Biden's Bay of Big. The Bay of Big proves that critical race theory and diversity, inclusion, and equity harm America and its cities, its citizens. Uh, The Bay of Big is my nickname for the lopsided trade the Biden administration executed for the release of WNBA player, Brittany Incarcerated Griner. Held for nine months and sentenced to nine years in a Russian prison for smuggling a small amount of hashish oil, President Biden surrendered notorious Russian arms dealer, Victor Boot for Griner's freedom. Wow. Called the merchant of death an American jury convicted Boot of conspiring to kill American citizens and providing aid to terrorist organizations. He spent a decade locked inside a U.S. penitentiary before being sprung on Thursday in exchange for Brittany Griner. The merchant of death for a WNBA player might be the worst trade in the history of American sports. It certainly rivals the incredible bounty of draft picks the Vikings gave the Cowboys for Herschel Walker and the $125,000 the Yankees gave in exchange for Red Sox Babe Ruth. Stick a little deeper though and turn a bit more serious. In 2015, Griner pled guilty to domestic violence against her partner and WNBA peer, Glory Johnson. In 2020, in reaction to the death of St. George Floyd, Greiner pledged to never again stand for the national anthem and said the song had no place in American sports. Brittany Greiner is not an American patriot. She's an entitled, spoiled athlete who is comfortable flouting the law. So <clears throat> why did her release from a Russian pris- prison take precedence over US Marine Paul Whelan or teacher Mark Fogel? Russia accuses Whelan of being a spy Fogel received a 14-year sentence in Russia for bringing a half ounce of medical marijuana into the country. Fogel, who is 60 years old, was arrested in 2021. But Griner jumped to the head of the line because the Biden administration and corporate media are driven by critical race theory and diversity, inclusion, and equity. CRT and D.I.E. dictated that Biden go to unreasonable and dangerous lengths to win the release of Griner. She's black and gay. Now, she's no more valuable to American freedom and safety than Whelan or Vogel, who are white men. Whelan and Vogel, a Marine and a teacher, actually contribute more to American society than a weed-smoking basketball player who promotes anti-American sentiment. Whelan and Vogel should be the priority. But absolutely no one cares about Mark Vogel. He can rot in a Russian prison for the next 13 years and will draw little attention or sympathy. The Griner trade will force the Biden administration to cut an even worse trade deal for Whelan. The wheels are in motion for that as you listen to me talk. Brittany Griner's wife talked about supporting Whelan. Leftists are publicly feigning support for Whelan now that Griner is home. Dallas Cowboys linebacker Micah Parsons, arguably the best player in football, tweeted sincere outrage over Whelan not being part of the Griner deal. His handlers quickly made him backtrack and apologize. Let's listen to this tweet. Just spoke to some people that I respect and trust. I should have been more educated on the topic and not tweeted out of emotion for my family and others who have served. For that, I apologize. Also, if what I'm told about the attempts to bring a uh, retired Marine Paul Whelan home are true, then the best outcome was accomplished. I pray Mr. Whelan comes home, but I'm extremely happy for Brittany and her family. I am not too prideful to admit when I've made a mistake. This is the LGBTQ BLM Alphabet Mafia flexing its political might. Are Americans stronger and safer when our leaders make decisions based on sexuality and skin color? No, we're weaker. Russian leader Vladimir Putin used our commitment to racial and sexual idolatry to fleece us in a trade. There are rumors that Putin targeted Greiner for arrest because he recognized the Biden administration would be forced to bow to pressure from the Alphabet Mafia. On Thursday, Biden warned American citizens traveling abroad to take extra precaution to follow all the laws of foreign countries. He knows that the Bay of Big has made all Americans more vulnerable abroad. Simple-minded race idolaters will not recognize the damage done by the Bay of Big. The damage doesn't matter to them. They only care about the racial retribution. Wheelan and Vogel, are so-called privileged white men. Brittany Griner is allegedly owed this privilege. It's payback for George Floyd, Ahmaud Arbery, Breonna Taylor, or some other dead black person the Alphabet Mafia has adopted for political power. CRT and D.I.E. have weakened our educational system, our work environments, movies, and television. We should not be surprised foreign policy is next on the hit list. Friday, we finished the week. Steve Kim and I talking about Baker Mayfield, Giselle Bungeon, Antonio Brown, and Sidney Monroe. We had a fun. We had fun on Friday. Me and Steve Kim talking a little sports. Let's roll out to uh, Los Angeles and bring in our main man on this show. Korean Cosell, Steve Kim. Uh, Steve will start here. Baker Mayfield shows up in a Rams uniform two days ago or I, I don't know how long ago and then plays on Thursday night and throws a game winning touchdown, leads the Rams back against the Raiders from down 16 to three, just like Tom Brady and then they win 17-16. to 16. Uh, Is this a one-off, or do you see, or is there signs of life and hope for Baker Mayfield?
3: Well, look, I, I give him credit. He did the Mariah Carey. When a hero comes along with the strength to carry on, yeah, a hero lied in him. But let me just get this right out of the way. Jerry Tillery got the save while Baker Mayfield got the win. We, we I, th- That play bothers me. Uh, if I'm the Raiders, if I'm Coach uh, whatever that McDaniel, that, that fancy guy, whatever his name is, right, um, the former coordinator, I, I would I would have not even let Tillery in the locker room. That game was wrapped up. After the sack by Max Crosby, the game felt over. And Tillery, to me, should have been Kervin Richards. I don't know if you remember him. He was the backup running back. This was in 1992. This was a game that was already won by the Cowboys. At, but Kerbin Richards fumbled twice at the end of a blowout and right this the last game of the year, met nothing but Jimmy Johnson, and just the leader that he is, the great Jimmy S. Johnson said, "Curvin, you're not living up to our championship standards. You're out of here. And I don't know how much they value Jerry Tillery, but I'm just telling you, I, if I'm his teammates, I especially on defense, I'd be giving him the side eye. And you know, us Asians, we could really give a side eye like no one's business. That was egregious what he did. Now, with that said, I will give Baker credit. He actually played a pretty good game based on the circumstances. And according to Coach JB, who knows people on that staff, he worked tirelessly to go out there and prepare and to play a good game. Look, His numbers were not spectacular, Jason. 22 for 35, 231 touchdown. They're better the night, than that that was, cars. Yes, but you know what? You're absolutely right. Without Cooper Cup, only 71 yards rushing, and about 36 hours to prepare. Yes, it was a hell of an effort. I think um, this is my view on Baker Mayfield. Is he good enough to be in the league? Yeah, he's probably one of the best 65 to 70 quarterbacks in the world, which means he'll have a roster spot for the next decade. The question is, will he be a starter or a career backup? Now, being a career backup can be very lucrative. Ask Chase Daniels, right? It's fine. I get the sense that Baker has much bigger ambitions and still thinks of himself as a frontline starter. So with Matthew Stafford basically being out the rest of the year, I don't know if the Rams have their quarterback of the future, but he is certainly the quarterback of their present. Well,
1: I I see Baker's ceiling at this point as yeah. Case Keenum. That's okay. about as high as he can go as Case Keenum okay. at this point. Will he be satisfied with that? I'm not sure. If he had the right attitude to be a backup, though, I don't understand why Carolina jettisoned him. And and so that may be an indicator. May I I I, I don't. That may be an indication that Baker still sees himself as a starter and you know locking into the mindset of being a service or ba- backup is probably not where he's at right now mentally. The, the other thing I'll say and and look what Rich Gannon was able to accomplish after age 35 or after age about 34 35 is something we've really never seen from NFL just to be a journeyman, a backup, a guy, and then become a star again. But maybe if Baker can stay healthy and not, you know, he's a bit undersized and, you know, gets bit banged up and beat up pretty easily, m- maybe he can revitalize himself <laughs> as a starter. But it doesn't seem like NFL teams give guys that opportunity anymore. They're always looking to the draft and, and some kid out of college rather than uh, you know, can he be Geno Smith? Again, Geno Smith, I guess, would be another example of so far this year being a guy that's reemerged as a starter. But it seems like teams are always looking to the draft rather than looking at some veteran.
3: Uh, I want to say this right now. Rich Gannon needs to throw us a shout-out. There, there is no show that has kept Gannon more relevant and has spoken as highly of him <laughs> as us. <laughs> Rich, if you're out there. Give us a shout-out, man. Here's the difference with Rich Gannon. Rich was a really good athlete. I I actually think when he came out, it was first with the Vikings, there was talk of him moving to another position because he had a lot of speed. The issue with Baker Mayfield is this. The Lincoln-Riley offensive system is so quarterback-friendly, it turns even little midgets into Heisman Trophy winners. And if you want to win a Heisman, and you're a young high school blue chipper, go to Lincoln Riley, and and you're going to be in that discussion. Mayfield, for his size, unlike a young Russell Wilson or Kyler Murray, does not have that elite athleticism. And the thing that's been disappointing about him is that when he came out of Oklahoma, the scouts said, well, the thing is, he's very accurate. He's a very accurate mid-range passer. He really hasn't been that guy. I mean, he sails a lot of balls over the heads of guys, And he's not what I'd call a precision passer, at least not on a consistent basis. Now, Jason, here's what I think happened in Carolina. That place is a dumpster fire. You already know that for the most part, they are tanking. And based on their record, they fired their coach. So, you know, no one's in a good mood inside that building. And if you're Carolina, they're probably thinking, okay, Bryce Young or the kid at Ohio State? So you already know as a quarterback, you're thinking, ah, this 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 place here, uh, I'm going to rent my apartment. I'm not even putting down a long-term lease. Now, once you get released, then it becomes, oh, God, I got to get any other job. So this is the reality for Baker. He's on his third team in less than two years. So now he's got to almost prove himself. And this is a goal for Baker. If you're not going to play great, because I think that's still a very tough situation because the Rams offensive line, from day one, has not been good this year. Andrew Andrew Whitworth has been very, very missed. Now they're banged up and the Rams are just kind of going through the motions. This is something that he has to work on, being a teammate that people really like, Okay, being a likable guy and reinventing your personality. Because one thing I've noticed about Baker during his time as a pro, and even before the process of getting drafted, at times he seems very petulant and prickly. And you're like, God, like, he kind, of, he kind of comes off as Stewie, that little baby from Family Guy. He's got the same size, football head. It he, he kind of reminds him, like, you know what, that's not what I want out of my starting quarterback. So, again, play well enough that you can keep a roster spot, but be a likable guy, and you can work for the next 10 years and make millions of dollars.
1: Let's move on to uh, Antonio Brown. He He keeps finding ways. Uh, to keep his name in the news. Uh, he tweeted out a picture of himself in bed, uh, relaxing, little, maybe a little <laughs> pillow talk, uh, with a white woman who looked a bit like Giselle Bungeon. Hmm. Or at least that's what, you know, She's face is kind of covered, her eyebrows look similar as Giselle. And so I'm wondering, and it, it turns out that this is some instagram model uh of some renown that he's been dating named sydney moreau uh and not giselle but do you think uh antonio brown tweeted out this picture hoping to fool people into thinking it was giselle
3: i wouldn't put it past them but yeah antonio brown seems to have a certain type he seems to have a a bunch of snow bunnies on his roster. And uh, yeah, what a stunner. She's an Instagram model. Yeah, that's, that's a real upset <laughs> there. I don't know. Is Antonio Brown that insidious and that deep that for that night he's looking through his black book? Remember those things? Okay. She kind of looks like Giselle. Yeah, I mean, do you think it's that deep? Or do you think he was just getting some? I don't know if Antonio Brown's that much into trolling Tom Brady, to be honest with you. You know? <sighs> He's that much into attention, yeah, no. and he
1: had to know. I do. He I, had to know that people would jump to conclusion. You don't put her. You don't put the name out with the tweet or the Instagram post. He had to know it was going to draw speculation.
3: Yeah, I guess. I mean, look, there's a lot of women uh, of that descent that kind of sorta look like Giselle. Um I don't know if he go that deep. I mean there are reports that Tom has moved on. He may not even care. I, I mean once you turn on Oh, the he terms, would you know, care. You think yeah, <laughs> he He would
1: care. That's that's the mother of his kids. Yeah, that is true. <laughs> if she were laid up with AB, he would care.
3: Yeah, that's true. Cause I've seen the pictures of those who are reportedly entangled with Tom, and I'm like, Tom, you, 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 you that's it, man. You, you've turned it in. You, you've upgraded, and you know. So I'm just saying, I don't. But you're oh, right, the yeah. whole mother and the kids thing. You're right. You know, you know. Sometimes when the lease is up, you gotta turn that car back in. A lot of miles. A lot of miles on the odometer. The, you know. Look. I, I... Justin, I'm going to be
1: frustrated. The whole reason I wanted to even talk about this is so we could, I spent, because I did the research on this, and it took me to Sydney Sydney Monroe's uh, Instagram page. And so mm-hmm. I just wanted to put up some of her Instagram pictures. Oh, yeah, there we go. Uh, this, this is the fake Giselle. I just wanted to put up some of her Instagram pictures and let the audience uh, decide for themselves uh, whether, you know, uh, she looks like Giselle or whether, you know, better than Giselle or... You know, some you comments here on. She's the faux bunchin'. <laughs> you mean Fizzel. Yeah. Right. Faux bunchin', yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so, you know, hats off to AB, uh, I guess. No, we, uh, all right let me keep moving I'm gonna get in trouble so let me keep moving we'll get myself in trouble it was interesting I only looked for about you know 15 minutes maybe uh, at her but it was in it was journalistic work I was trying yes. to figure out who this was I was not uh, being creepy all right that's it and that's all for us go to youtube.com slash Jason Whitlock if you're on Apple or Spotify give me that five-star review you got to hit the review, you got to hit the likes. We got to we got to get things popping on Apple like we got them popping on YouTube. Join the Fearless Army, get your new Fearless Army swag. Join the crowd, join the movement, be a fearless soldier, enjoy your weekend. I'll see you on Monday.